be a doctor, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps dentistry slipped your mind because of lack of resources. You dropped out of nursing school because you failed pharmacology. You don't come from the right family, so now you can't pursue pharmacy. You want to become a physician assistant, but you're unaware of their role in healthcare. You don't know a single black optometrist, and now you're afraid to be the first. Welcome to Melanin in Healthcare, the best uplifting healthcare targeted towards healthcare students and aspiring healthcare students, bringing you the best necessary education, representation, and inspiration to encourage you to pursue your dreams in healthcare. Welcome to episode number seven, Med School Edition. Today, I have a special guest and she is going to talk about her journey to medical school, why she chose medical school, and also tips for everyone else out there. Welcome, how are you, Chi? Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us what year you are in and how is it going so far? Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Um, Chi, I'm one, so first year medical student. And so far, it's going pretty well. Uh, It is a bit stressful. But I think for the most part, it's doable. Uh, medical school isn't as bad as uh, most people think it is. It's just, you know, a lot of time management and hard work. Wow, you're the first to say that one. <laughs> 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 and so let's go ahead and get started. So what was your journey like to get into medical school? Are you traditional or non-traditional? Did you get a post back or master's? So uh, my journey was very non-traditional. Uh, well, I guess I can't say very, but I've met people who've taken 12 years off. So uh, it was non-traditional though. Um, I graduated in 2016 and I'm I started medical school in August. So super non-traditional by my opinion, but necessarily in the grand scheme of things. Um, I did a post-bac. Uh, I actually created my own post-bac. I know that sounds weird, but I just took classes. Once I graduated, I was like, okay, I need to finish my prereqs, and I also need to raise my science GPA. So I looked um, local community colleges and then cheaper universities, and I started taking classes from there. Okay. And so for those who don't know, what would be the difference between the post-bac and if you were to get a master's? What would be that difference? Um, so with the post-bac, that's just any work you receive your bachelor's degree. So post-baccalaureate is like just classes um, after your bachelor's. And there's, there's two different types, really. Um, you can do a post-bac program, right, that is a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So you can do like a traditional master's degree. Um, or you can do what I did, which is a post-bac where you're just taking undergraduate level courses. They're, you know, upper level undergraduate courses. Um, but you're not getting a degree at the end. Okay, okay. So post-bac is, yeah, so post-bac is term for everything, whereas master's is like specifically graduate level work and you're going to get a degree. Okay. And what does a typical day look like for you in school? Um. So typically I get up around like 7 a.m. I've been trying to get up earlier, but I'm not in a morning <laughs> person at all. <laughs> So I try to get up at seven. <laughs> I start doing um, flashcards. I use Anki to do my flashcards. Um, so I start that, and then I'll um, and then we start at either eight if it's the early day or just. Um, and I we have classes from like nine until I would say like twelve. 
um, and then that we may it really depends on the day, but we more lectures that's like two hours long or something like that. It depends. Part classes in before like two o'clock, and so then after that, I'll go ahead and studying um, from like two until eight for me, just doing flashcards, going back over the material. Um, and yeah, unless I have, uh, the other thing is sometimes I might have like meetings too. Um, I'm in a lot of activities, unfortunately. <laughs> Fortunately, before, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so sometimes I'll have like meetings during like lunch. Um, so 12 to one typically. Uh, and then yeah, for the most part, it's a pretty straightforward day though. It's not like undergrad. Right. And so what challenges have you faced as a medical student? Um, so I think the biggest challenge for me, like as a black medical student or just like as a medical student from an underrepresented background in general, is sort of like dealing with imposter syndrome. Uh, initially, like when I got accepted, I was like, oh my gosh, like they accepted me, wow. Like, so I had it a little bit then, uh, but mm-hmm. then I was like, you know what, I to be confident because if a school accepts you, that means they, you are capable of becoming a doctor, a great doctor at that. So, um, you know, I, I just kind of stopped and said, you know what, like, no, there's no time for that. Um, but then sometimes it, it creeps back in, you know, if, if you take a quiz and you don't do as well as you think you should, or mm-hmm. if you um, are in class and like, we work in these things called uh, T- TBLs, it's like team-based learning. Um, so we work in like small groups and maybe if your small group isn't, <laughs> your uh, answers as stats and they're kind of like checking up after you so you're looking like what like I, I deserve to be here too so some, I think imposter syndrome really is like the biggest challenge that I've faced so far mm-hmm. and so for those who don't know what is imposter syndrome so imposter syndrome is just this uh it's, it's actually a concept in psychology where you have this fear that you are going to be unmasked that the, the you that is in this setting is not mm-hmm. does not truly deserve to be there um, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and so you're afraid that like other people are find out that actually you're not you're not really deserving to be there. You're an imposter. You're you're in disguise mm-hmm. basically. Mm. Okay. Okay. Oh wow. And so, do you think a lot of students face that challenge? Have those challenges of imposter syndrome? Oh, of course. I- Everybody has it to a degree in medical school, and I think there the few people who have it are very lucky. Um, I think that what happens, especially in medical school, is that a lot of people are used to being at the top of their class, mm-hmm. whether that was during undergrad or even during their masters or during their postdoc. Well, at some point in your career, you were at the top of your class, and so now that you're in medical school, where everybody was at the top, maybe you're at the bottom of the class or you're in you know in the middle and you're not used to that you're kind of like dang like maybe I don't need to be here like that you know and or even if that's not the case right even if you're just like coming to terms with the fact that like wow I'm really here like wait they they accepted me oh no they should have you know they should have been at some I ain't really working as hard as Sally over there so I think we Mm -hmm. all face (laughs) we all face it in some way (laughs) Okay, I understand. What specialty are you interested in, and what additional uh, what additional training is required for to go that route? 
you know, like extra residency or uh, fellowship? What what additional training is it? So I'm kind of undecided, honestly, but the specialty that I'm most interested in is emergency medicine. Um, I actually worked as an emergency medicine scribe for two years, and then I worked another two years in internal medicine, and then I became a EMT like during that time when I was working in internal medicine. Um, I think part of that was because when I was in internal medicine, I, I loved it a lot, but I realized like I really missed the emergency room. And I just love like seeing patients who are really sick. Um, you know, in the ER, you see, you see patients who are really sick, you see patients who are sort of sick, you see patients who are just there because they need a blanket or something. Um, or if they're just drunk, like you see so many different types of people. And so I like that. I love interacting with different people, different backgrounds. And I like that the idea of like meeting a new, a new face each day. So mm-hmm. I like no matter what, I know that like I love the emergency room. So I'm, I'm probably gonna, <laughs> I'm probably gonna end up there. <laughs> um, right. And so for residency, uh, the e- Emergency room physicians uh, have a three to four year residency. So it really depends on the program that you're desiring. Uh, for me, I'm open mm-hmm. to either or. Um, I would ideally like a county-based residency. So um, there's two real types. It's like an academic center, well, three really, an academic center. Um, so like a, a big name hospital, like, like Harvard, right? Like that would be more of an academic center or like mm-hmm. your local county hospital, let's say if you're in Atlanta, like Grady, or if you're in LA, LA County Hospital. So um, then the other thing is just community-based hospitals. I'll have like smaller hospitals in our communities that also have um, emergency rooms or emergency beds. So those are the three main types of residencies that you can do. Um, for me, I would really like my residency to be at a county just because uh, county hospitals have to take everybody and anybody so you get to mm-hmm. see the worst types of diseases and you also get to see a lot of the social issues that contribute to those diseases. A lot of your patients are, are poor um, and depending on the county that you're working in, a lot of them are black and brown. And for me, I really want to be able to take care of uh, patients that come from communities like mine and deal with the sort of things that I've had to or that I've seen others that look like me deal with. Um, and so that's why I really think I would like to do a county-based residency. It tends to vary. Um, sometimes it could be three years and sometimes it could be four. So somewhere between there is the, is the time frame that I'll be taking um, after medical school. Right. Okay. And what tips can you give students for studying the MCAT, the biggest test? <laughs> <laughs> for the MCAT, I think my biggest tip is... Um, try and change your mindset about the MCAT. I know that like we're all super stressed about it because it's like, wow, like this is the test that makes it or breaks it, you know, in terms of like getting into medical school. But th- that's not entirely true. Um, it's your entrance exam and they also look at your grades to your extracurriculars. Like everything is taken into account when they look at your MCAT. So our uh, when they look at your application. So when you're studying for your MCAT, try and take that pressure off of yourself and just take it as more so, I want to learn, you know, these things so that I can do my best on the test, um, so that I can, like, show the school, like, this is what I... 
this is a score that is representative of um so i think that's number one and then number two is like practice questions like i feel like everyone always says this but like try your hardest to do as many practice questions as you physically can like and practice questions and practice tests if you don't do them and you just study the content for three mm-hmm. months the MCAT and like not get a score that's representative of your ability you know and it's not mm-hmm. because you don't know the material it's just because you have practice taking the test so you try right. and do as many questions as you can to um you know get used to how the testing conditions and get used to answering the questions the way that they want you to answer them um because there's, there's a real difference between like knowing the material and and being able to it the way that the MCAT wants you to. Right. Do you think practice questions are more important or content or are they equally both important? I think it really depends on where you are. Um, so like for me, like finish undergrad, uh, I would say I really to do content. So like when mm-hmm. for the MCAT, I did about, I honestly, I didn't content. I did like six months of just straight content because I didn't know my, I didn't know myself. Like that was just point blank. I need to come. But like, there's some people who, you know, undergrad kills it, right? They you got the three point five or better, um, and you, you know, you just did it out until you material. So maybe for you, you might do a three month MCAT plan, and maybe spend like one month on content, and then two months just doing questions. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that everybody should try and at least do half and half. maybe you're gonna spend six or or three months on content and the other months on questions right like so try and like still gain questions as you do content uh review because the content if you're not doing questions while you're learning that content you're gonna forget a lot of it or you're just not gonna be able to apply it so you want to like really balance them out and i i really would say honestly prioritize the questions um a little bit more mm-hmm. than you do the content that's true that's true how did you know that the school that you currently attend was the right school for you oh honestly initially i did not know like i did not think that this was ever gonna be the school that i was going to because i was just like uh, you know i I honestly didn't even want to not to say i didn't want to apply there because i mean you just want to apply where you can get in somewhere but um Mm -hmm. I was like, mm, you know, I may not even apply, right? But then I was like, no, like I should apply because uh, I go to my state school. And so I realized that like, okay, I'm just going to apply. And then look at all the places I got access to. I got access to a couple of schools. So I ended up making a list, doing a little spreadsheet. And um, when I did that, I started to um, write down like everything that I value, what, what I want out of a medical school. Um, mm-hmm. And after I got that idea from my dad, who is really big into like spreadsheets and stuff. So he's like, make a spreadsheet, write down all the things you want in school, and score each school that you got into. <laughs> so I did mm-hmm. that. I scored each of them, and then to my surprise, the school that I go to had the highest score. Like, mm-hmm. I scored, I had like 10 categories that I scored, you know, by 10. And so this school had like an 82 out of 100, and then the other school, in the were close but like not quite close and so then I'll, maybe I should stop you know 
school and talk to some students. <laughs> so I spoke to some upperclassmen, some upperclassmen who go there. I got in touch with a friend who, who linked me to some people. And when I spoke to them, the other thing I noticed was that um, all of the students that I spoke to were happy and they were all in different years. Like some of them were M1, some of them were M2, some were M3s. And, and the girl who helped me out was an M4. And, you know, all of them seemed consistently happy, overly happy, like the students that school show you are. Because the one thing that I will say that schools are only going to let you interact with their uh, admissions, like related students. So those students who work on the admissions committee. And those mm-hmm. people are nice. But they're not going to tell you what's bad about the school. You're not going to get to know, you know, the drama or the beef or, you know, because they want you to go there. They're trying to recruit you after you've been accepted. And so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk to a student who I know was going to be uh, genuine and help me meet people who weren't going to just tell me all the good stuff and who didn't work for the admissions office. And those students told me, like, they're positive and negative experiences at the school and I felt like their negative experiences were so minuscule in comparison to some of the I had gotten into um, or that mm-hmm. I had experienced um, through activities that I was like okay I can deal with this right um, I think after seeing that my school met all of the expectations that I wanted from school and that students were happy and that the problems at my school were not unbearable for me um I made my decision Mm -hmm. like that and uh I I think I'm glad now that I made that decision because had I done it differently um I don't think I would have been as happy as I am now right I like that I like the spreadsheet idea that's that's good that's good and so what advice can you give incoming freshmen who are undergraduates who want to be a doctor but they have no clue where to start Wow, um, that was definitely me. So <laughs> I have a lot of good advice for uh, incoming freshmen. So I think the first thing is, um, you know, get online. Like get online and start Googling um, things in your area because I think the beauty of, you know, being in 2020 and like just this new age is that we have so much technology at our fingertips that like, we don't even necessarily utilize. And when I started, um, undergrad back in 2012 like I didn't even think and like do some research like okay what do you need to do to become a doctor like how do you need to take your classes and stuff? so get online first and research like what do you think your dream you know school is like let's say you, you want to go to like I don't know like Harvard right let's just take that school you to research Harvard at Harvard's medical school and find out okay what sort of classes, what are the prereqs? And then after that, write those things down and try to develop like a four-year plan mm-hmm. of your own. Because the thing is that your school that you're going to for undergrad, um, they're gonna give you like a schedule, like a tentative schedule that they, they give to everybody for pre-med mm-hmm. students, right? But the problem notice is that not all of us are ready to take those classes the way that the pre-med counselor tells us to. So Mm-hmm. For me, like when I started, I think they put me in like a basic bio class and then I think that was it because I actually decided not to take chem the first year because I knew I, I couldn't do both. But like that's, right. that's just a prime example of like, you know, you have to be your own like pilot, right? Like you can't just let the pre-made counselor tell you, well, part of the 
this, this, and this, or like medical schools in general say you need to take a year of bio, you need to take a year of chem. So you're going to take chem, bio, and you're going to take math and all that. The first year, you know, you may not be ready for that. So try and um, look at what you need and map it out. Like, okay, if I was to take only bio this first year, what would I need to do to take chemistry so that I can be in medical school, you know, four years from now? Like, how would I, how would that look for me? Will I be able to do right. it or will I need to spread it out? And if you need to spread it out, that's okay too. Because, you know, right now, most people take a gap year. Like, the average age to get into medical school or to start medical school is 24. So, it's okay if you, if you decide to take a gap year. And it's better if you know that as a freshman than if you mm-hmm. are a junior and you apply and you get rejected and you're like take a gap year you know what I mean right it's better to have your like long-term plan that way um and then another thing is when you're online and you're looking up stuff look up doctors or to let um people shadow them or that are willing to mentor like look up like pre-med related mentorship programs in your area uh, because there are probably some out there, but you know we don't often find out about this stuff, especially as underrepresented uh, students, like until it's too late. So try yeah. and like find out about that stuff early because then that can help you with developing your four-year plan and like making sure that you don't necessarily make some of the mistakes that some of us have made um, in the past. Right. And uh, that's true. That's- yeah. <laughs> I think the last thing to do um, for incoming freshmen is like really try and figure out what type of learner you are. Um, I think something that schools don't really do, they don't really help you find out how to best learn information. And that to me really sucks because a lot of times it's not that the yeah you aren't smart whatever have you it's literally just that you're going about studying in a way that isn't going to help you as an individual um and i think that that's something that incoming freshmen should like really take the time to do because your freshman year low-key if you get like a if you get like hella bees or something no one's really good things because they're like okay you're a freshman everybody's adjusting so use your freshman year to really figure out like Am I the type of person who learns by reading, or do I need to do more questions, or do I need to write stuff out? Like find out that information early, and how to study for class as well, so that you can you can get the A that you know you can get, um, and then it makes things much easier. So my three tips right. are definitely create that for your plan, reach out, and then find out like who you are. And, uh, Right. I like that. I like that, honestly. And if you could do it all over again, what would you change about your path? <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> if I could do I would have been a bit more intentional. Um, and this sounds thinking like selfish, but I think more so intentional. You know, when I started, like, I wasn't, I didn't create like a four-year plan. Um, I just was like, okay, you, you go to medical school, you get this grade, you go to medical school. I didn't really know like what you needed to do in terms of the prereqs. I didn't even meet my my pre-medical flair until my sophomore year. So I was already like behind in terms of like planning and knowing what's coming and stuff. I didn't really think about that stuff. I just thought get the grades, 
and that's it. And then you apply to medical school, just like you did for college. I didn't really think this. Was, I didn't even know what the MCAT was. So like, <laughs> I would have really taken it seriously, more, more seriously in terms of action and like looked up that information because I mean, the same way that the internet is here in 2020 is the same way it was in 2012. Um, I may not have had as many of like these mentorship forums and things like that uh, available, but I definitely could have like found out like about the prerequisites. I probably could have also found out information about best techniques to study and tested them out, you know? But I didn't know that information because I didn't look it out, look it up. And um, I also didn't realize like how much work it took to get into medical school. And so that, that made the journey a little bit harder. Um, but what mm-hmm. I will say is like, although it was a harder uh, journey and there was a lot of like twists and turns, I think like, I don't necessarily regret anything from it in the long run because it definitely shaped who I am. And honestly, without that journey, I probably wouldn't have gotten into medical school because um, I grew like so much more um, after that. And I, I'm sure that if I was intentional from the beginning, I could have grown in the four years that I was in undergrad. But be- mm-hmm. You still there? intentional is the most important thing um, in terms of like when you're starting your journey and I, I feel like had I been more intentional with my journey it, it would have made things easier um, I definitely would have prioritized my and my dreams uh, more and I think that when you have your dream and when you when you know what that is and you want something you know don't be afraid to, to pursue it um, with all of your heart and don't be afraid to like say no to certain things that don't necessarily align with your dream and I think that for me um, I wasn't necessarily very selfish in pursuing medicine uh, as an undergraduate because I felt like okay well I could do that and I can do like all these other things um, and I know that had I really focused intently on it and really realized like how important it was to my being um I would have prioritized it the same way that I did when I started my postdoc because when I started my postdoc I was like okay well you this is it right like this thing now (laughs) so you don't like 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 you want to do it then you're not gonna do it you're gonna get it so I think though um yeah just being it and being selfish with your with your dream and your path right right I like that <laughs> and so where do you see yourself in five to seven years uh so in five in the next five years specifically I see myself as a PGY so that's like a first year resident and intern um hopefully at a county rep um for sure because I really want to 
be in the county, a county if I do emergency mm-hmm. medicine, of course. And then hopefully it's warm and beautiful because, <laughs> I mean, I'm from the Midwest and it's cold. I mean, it's only <laughs> warm in the summer, but yeah. And then I'm um, definitely married to, um, I've been dating my boyfriend for like the last four years. So uh, married, maybe with one kid, but we're not too sure about that right now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> also I would say like, in the next five years like continuing to mentor other people and like share my story with with other people i love like opportunities like this because there's so many different you know types of treatments like everyone is not the same cookie cutter my dad is a doctor my mom is a doctor and i know everything that i need to got straight a's and that's it like, everybody's journey is so differently and not to say anything negative against people who are like that because that's also amazing too that's a legacy but right. um you know some people come from first gen backgrounds where no one in their family has even graduated college you know and right I think it's nice for people to be able to see like there's so many different ways that you can get to the same place and I, I want to be able to yeah I want to be able to give like people that opportunity to see that okay if I did it like you can for sure do it because uh, we know but <laughs> <laughs> you can for sure do it and um, what I really want to do in the next five to seven years for sure is like really establish a firm like pipeline like I, I want to start in my state um, and then after that branch out to other states and there are some states that have it um, but I would like to like really have something where people, especially young, like children, um, black and brown children can like start early to get, uh, access to STEM fields, specifically medicine, because there are so few black doctors in this country and there's so few Hispanic doctors in this country. And yet we, we make up a decent number of the population and I feel like, um, that's unfortunate, you know, and, and then we also see, like, COVID and just a lot of the public health studies that have felt that, like, we're the ones who are dying the most from these diseases and terrible illness in general, and, and part of that is because we don't have people who understand um, us in terms of, like, culturally, when you go to the doctor, or even if it's not just culture, it could be language in terms of um, any Spanish speaking patients. Um, and so I, I think that that's important that there are people who can say, you know, I'm from this background, I like science, or I want to help people in this way, and I want to become a doctor um, from an early age and have that guidance um, that like, can help you all the way through. So not just finding out after the fact, but like literally day one, you're a, a kindergartner and you want to be like back in seconds or something. And it's right. a place you can go and start you know, learning what you what you need to learn as a kindergartner so that when you get into high school, you get into college, you know, like, okay, I've done everything that is necessary to prepare myself well for college and so that I don't have to, like, try to figure it all out on my own. Um, so that's really what I want to build upon and, and develop. That's very good. That's very inspirational. <laughs> and <laughs> so do you have any last tips to give? Um, so my last tip to everybody who's listening is um, similarly to what I would change uh, if I have to think all over again is be intentional. 
dedicate time to yourself and who you are. I think that's where everything starts. And just knowing your life, your dislikes, your dreams, your goals, what makes you tick and understanding how you learn and where you want to be in life. Um, that is best to start. And once you do that, I, I promise you everything else will fall into place because now you have not only a dream and a goal, but you have a, a clear vision that can guide you to that dream. Right. Okay. That was, that was very great. <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening to episode number seven, Med School Edition. And continue to listen for more education, representation, and inspiration. Stay tuned for episode number eight. Have a great day. Thank you.